Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we don't have to start like that. Okay. <laughs> what up? Nope. <laughs> That's not. <laughs> well, hello. So I get asked a fair bit about my experience with my meds, a.k.a. psychiatric medication. And obviously, well, I think it's obvious, I'm not a doctor, but I am a patient who has been to a lot of doctors. That said, I wanted to share my journey with you because, yep, you guessed it, I thought it would help you. Going on medication for a mental health issue is a big step and a huge responsibility, and oftentimes it's still a bit of a guessing game for your psychiatrist when it comes to getting your medication right. If you're planning on engaging with a doctor to get this kind of help, I'll first urge you to listen to my How to Feel Better Now episode before going on medication because it will help you build some skills and gain some insight. Definitely don't want to scare you off the idea, just want to set you up for success and give you insight and know-how, which I didn't have, and as you will hear, that made it much harder for me to find the right medicine. So, as you know, if you've listened to this podcast, or especially if you're following me on Instagram, which, why aren't you following me? It makes the podcast so much more fun. At Jen Gotch. It's easy. Not even a hard one to figure out. Um, come along, won't you? Come along for a trash dance and some sex hair. Anyways, what I was going to say is if you're following me then, or you know me or you listen to me, then you know that uh, I have anxiety and that I've also taken on a couple big projects, including this one and a book along with the company that I help run and, and we're doing some pretty mage stuff over there. And so my anxiety has been off the charts. I talk about it all the time, which really gives it the power that I shouldn't give it. But I started thinking about medication and I've really just been medicating with like CBD. Um, I used to take Xanax for anxiety and I just didn't want to do that. But I was kind of getting to the point where I'm like, is this like, is is this going to be too much? Like, am I going to have to suppress this anxiety? And then, you know, for me, and I think for a lot of people, the the depression and and anxiety kind of go hand in hand. So they work, they work together <laughs> to to make us feel this way. So I feel like I've haven't been as high on the emotional rating system as I'd like, like only seeing a 7.8 every now and then, definitely not really going above, um, which is not great for long-term, but sometimes it's a nice relief. You know, holding steady at six, but finding myself below that more. And so my mom had asked me a couple times, like if I wanted to ask the doctor about my medications and, and uh, I just said, no, I'm very dismissive. But when I was on this walk, I was like, is that, are you going to need to do that? Like, are you just avoiding that because you know how hard it is? And it made me think, I want to tell you a little bit more about my journey with medication because I think it will help you, especially if you're just starting out with with medication. And I want to explain why I have been resistant at times to adjust it and why I'm resistant now to 
adjust it and maybe add another medication, um, but also why it's great and how it's helped me. So, so let's do that, shall we? But first, let me have a sip of my wine spritzer and then probably expel some carbonation into the microphone. Hold, please. I'm not even going to stop recording. Did I mention that it's still did I mention that it's still summertime and I'm still fearful of running the fan in my bedroom while I record so I'm just sitting in a um pool of sweat. Just thought you'd want to know in case you thought I was like in a studio relaxed and cool. I'm not, but it doesn't matter. It's totally worth it. So if you listen to the bipolar episode, sort of the, my introduction to bipolar, um, you know that at 23, I had a small nervous breakdown and then was quickly placed on Prozac. Uh, I did not go to a therapist. I went to a general, general practitioner, uh, told him what was going on. He was like, you, you sound depressed. Why don't you try this? And I did, and it worked, and I felt a lot better, and that sort of started my relationship with a category of drugs that I can't remember what they're called. So my old friend, Future Jen, will come in and come in and clear that one up for me. What up? Future Jen here, back from a 10-day vacay and ready to tell you about Prozac and a few other drugs that treat depression. So there are three main types of neurotransmitters, serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine. What are neurotransmitters? Well, neurotransmitters are like chemical messengers in the brain that can affect how we feel both physically and mentally. And different classes of antidepressants work with different neurotransmitters. Phew, that's a lot to absorb, I know, but information is power. So Prozac, or fluoxetine, The generic names of these drugs are always a real bitch to pronounce. Prozac's an antidepressant in a class of drugs called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, also known as SSRIs. For your reference, Celexa, Paxil, and Zoloft are also in this class. And just so you have the full picture, the other two main classes of antidepressant used most at this time are SNRIs, serotonin and norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, drugs like Effexor and Cymbalta fall into this class, and lastly, a class called atypical antidepressants. The drug Welbutrin is in this class. Okay, back to you, past Jen. Anyway, so I was on I was on Prozac for for quite some time. I moved out to California uh, about one, a year or two. Probably no, I think I was like around twenty five. I started therapy, really started digging in on my emotions, and shortly after, you know, my therapist encouraged me to go to a psychiatrist to talk through like, is this medication even the right medication? Um, I think at that point we were starting to feel like maybe this. Maybe the Prozac isn't actually working. We had identified some anxiety. We were thinking maybe that I had ADD. And so I started down what is a very long road of drugs (laughs) that are prescribed to, to you by a psychiatrist. And 
they have helped me more than they have hurt me, but they have hurt me at times. I respect them. At times I fear them. I am grateful for them. And so in case in other episodes you hear me just casually refer to that or refer to it as a solution, I just, it's, it's more complex than that. And then this is not to scare you, but this is just to kind of like build your awareness about it so you can make decisions about what you want to do because there's lots of ways to feel better. But ultimately, if it's a physiological problem, you would probably take something for it just in the same way that if you had diabetes, you wouldn't be like, I'm just going to treat it with acupuncture. Um, Not to say that that doesn't help, but I, I like a good combo of a wellness plan. Okay, so let's talk about my first experience with medication, the beginning of my journey that started right after my initial depression diagnosis. I'll talk a bit about how it came to be, what it felt like to go on meds, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Also want to illustrate to you how long and twisty it can be to find the proper medication or combination of medications that work for you. Be patient. You can do it. The journey is not linear. So I started a journey of many drugs, um, Wellbutrin, Effexor, Celexa, in combination with Adderall, with Clonopin. Man, I wish I still had all the pill bottles. I used to keep all the pill bottles. I, I was on a ton of different drug combinations. At one point, I was taking five different drugs, three of which were to counteract the symptoms of the main two. Many of those antidepressants that I listed had really severe withdrawal effects. So even if I missed like one or two doses, the, was it the, well, no, I think it was the effects or would you'd like lose your balance. I mean, there was like wild stuff happening, but all the while there were definitely therapeutic effects from them. So, so I didn't want to not take them. I just wanted so badly to find the right mix for me. And it, it, it was a struggle there, there, the Adderall made me manic, but I didn't know I was bipolar at the time. So I didn't really know what was happening. I just knew I got a lot done. I didn't eat. I lost a ton of weight, which seemed great, but I also was really unhealthy one of the drugs or drug combos uh, at one point caused my hands to clench up into fists for like many hours. And I lived alone. It was very scary. I remember somehow being able to, I think I used the side of my hand because I still had like a, like a normal home phone because um, you really couldn't do it on an iPhone, but this was way before that, and call the doctor. And then the doctor couldn't remember who I was, which is really, which is an unfortunate thing that can happen. It's like you're spilling your guts to these doctors, especially a psychiatrist, because you don't go to them as regularly as you would a therapist. And I had that happen a couple of times where they're like, wait, okay, tell me again who you are. And I'm like, oh my God, you're, I'm telling you everything every time I see you and you're giving me these drugs that are fucking me up and you can't remember who I am. But I don't even think that they were bad doctors. I think it's just a a symptom of having that many patients. And obviously I called him like after hours, but it, it was distressing. And then the thing with, with bipolar is the thing, if you have bipolar, and this is an important note, 
If you have bipolar, but you're only being treated for de depression, which was happening to me because I have bipolar two, which is pronounced depression, very little mania or hypomania, but it's there. It can over time exacerbate the bipolar and, and cause some not cool things to happen in your mind. So, um, for me, and, and again, this is a, this is a drug story. This is, there were obviously lots of other external contributors to how I was feeling. Think about Buttermilk Waitress and all the jobs in that song. You know, it was like, I was finding myself, I was finding myself as a person. Um, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I had a, a enormous financial pressure. I was trying to gain independence from my parents. So it wasn't like I was living more of like this somewhat stable life I have now and feeling that way. It was, everything was unstable, including the way that my mind felt. And so at some point those drugs uh, led me to feel very suicidal, which I don't know if there's like a way to feel only sort of suicidal, but I definitely had what I recollect as being a few days where I was really, truly understanding what it meant to want to end your life, which, you know, as someone who had sort of like, maybe I'll just kill myself, you know, had just said stuff, which is awful, especially in this day and age with all of the newfound awareness for, for that topic. You know, I had said it maybe in a more flippant way or to be dramatic or to, or to kind of say, help me. But this was different. This was like, the w I did not have the will to live. It's a really, really strange thing to experience and to feel that leave your body. And, and uh, it, it just, anyways, thankfully I was, I, you know, I was in therapy. I, I was connected. I had an open dialogue with my parents and I just said like, Hey guys, I got to come home. So I ended up going home for like three weeks and got, got to a place where I didn't feel that way. And then that was around the same time that we, that my therapist and I kind of identified that a, I did not have depression, but I actually had bipolar and B that these medications could be causing that, which would be something that a psychiatrist should really be helping with. But I, I had bounced around from, I probably went to like 10 or 12 doctors over the course of like eight years because I just couldn't find one that I loved, which when we get into talking about like therapists and psychiatrists, I'll talk about that because it, it is hard. It's, you know, you don't just necessarily walk in and love and love your doctor. And, and because I felt like there, you know, there needed to be a level of trust and a comfort so that there could be intimacy because you need to tell them a lot of things about how you're feeling that you may not even tell someone who's really close to you. I tried a lot of different ones. I also didn't have a ton of money. My parents were helping me financially, but you know, we didn't want to be spending $300 an appointment a few, you know, every other month. It, it just, it, I, in retrospect, that was not the right way to handle it. Like actually, Find a great, great doctor with great recommendations, but wait until you have a really clear sense of who you are and how you're feeling and you can articulate it. Everything that I've talked about in the feeling better episode, which I feel like you'll hear before you hear this one, but then don't, don't waste your time. 
because I, I do think that that was part of it and it is a guessing game and maybe it's a little bit more advanced now. This was many, many years ago, but it is a guessing game. So you can expect to be on different dosages, different quote unquote cocktails, um, or combinations of drugs. You can, you can be prepared to have those tweaked all the time. You could have, um, a dosage or medication work and then stop working, there's a whole host of side effects. So it is, it's a huge responsibility. It's a huge, huge responsibility. But after, after that, um, after feeling suicidal like that, it was a, it was a wake up call to like, okay, let's just spend the money and go to this great doctor, which I did. He agreed with the bipolar diagnosis. He clarified it as bipolar two. He put me on two medications that he thought would work in conjunction with each other. One was a mood stabilizer and one was an antidepressant. And within, I remember it as three days, but it was probably, that's probably compressed in my memory. And it was probably a few weeks because normally what will happen is you'll go in at a lower dose than where the doctor actually wants you. And they'll just stair step you up over time so that they can look for any like really dangerous side effects or to see if it's going to be the one to work. And if not, they'll just pivot. But the, but this worked and, and it was great. And I was on this combination. It was Wellbutrin and Lamictal for, which I say that, but that doesn't, it, this isn't like influencer stuff. You, you won't go to your doctor and say, Jen Gotch took these. So I want to take those like, you know, that. <laughs> someone once told me like, I shouldn't say the names of the medications I'm on. I'm like, well, I think that's good information, but like, I don't, if you go to a doctor that where you just say a podcast that I listen to or a girl on Instagram takes these, can I take these? And they, um, just let you have them. Then I would walk out of the doctor's office and find another doctor. Anyways, that, that worked for me and changed my life and showed me what true stability without side effects felt like. And I was able to achieve things that I hadn't been able to. I was able to think clearly. Um, the Wellbutrin also helped a little bit with ADD. So that was great. I was able to, to really dig into a career, um, and make something of myself and save money and gain my financial independence and feel like, like I had something I was struggling with, but it was being managed and it was all great. Well, hello, I have some really great news for you. That is actually just great news for me and my favorite dog, Philip Kitty Stardust. Gotch, that's his full name. We just call him Phil. I don't know if you remember a few episodes ago, I was telling you about the farmer's dog, which is a very cool dog food company where they actually make your dog's food based on a little questionnaire that you do on their website. And I was very intrigued by it because I make my dog's food already. And it's not my favorite. It's not my favorite hobby. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I, I have on an occasion or two, i.e. every time I make his food, eat it for dinner for myself. And that's just because I, it's like chicken and rice and veggies. I mean, it's oftentimes better than what I'm eating, but Phil has to be kept on a specific diet. So whatever Phil needs, Phil gets the farmer's dog though is changing my life. So the last time I told you about it, I hadn't received anything yet, but I just, I could just tell, 
I could just tell by the website and even going through the process of the questionnaire that it was going to be great. Now I can tell you for sure it is great. It is awesome. Philip loves the food. Now listen, he also loves underwear, razor blades, whole chickens, pieces of pillows. Uh, Phil, what else do you like to eat? Treats. But he loves this food. He's He has turned his nose up at a few dog foods because sometimes dog food is pretty gross. This food is not gross. This food is awesome. And more than anything else, I mean, aside from the fact that I know I'm putting something good in his body and that's important to me because I love Phil and I hope he lives forever, but it also saves me. I don't have to do it anymore. I don't have to go to the store and buy the ingredients. And sometimes they don't have all the right ingredients at one store. Cause it's, I'm very specific. So I have to go to two stores and then I have to come home and then I have to get all sweaty in my house. Cause we're still having a heat wave, but I got to turn on all the stove and everything to cook all the food. And then I got to blend it all up. So it's nice and small portions for him. And it, it's, it's, that's all gone now. That's all gone now. Don't you want to get in on this? You can. They're giving you some cool stuff if you want. If you can start feeding your dog better today, you try a week free. F-R-E-E. I didn't spell that off the top of my head. I see it on a piece of paper in front of me. But you try a week free at thefarmersdog.com slash J-G-O-K. Jogok! I haven't gotten to say that in a few weeks. Plus, you get free shipping. So you get your first week free at thefarmersdog.com slash J-G-O-K. Free shipping, thefarmersdog.com slash J-G-O-K. Make your dog love you more. I'm looking at my dog right now. He's clearly madly in love with me. He did not look this way a couple weeks ago. That's it. Have fun. Okay, now you'll hear about an unintentional break I took from my meds that were actually working pretty well at the time. It happens. It had its benefits, and it had its drawbacks. Here we go. I was on... I was probably was on them 10 years. And then shortly after we sold Bandeau in 2012, I went on a trip. It's like a four or five day trip. And I forgot my medication. And after a couple of days, like I didn't feel any withdrawal. I didn't feel anything um, different. And then the whole trip went by. I just you know, you can, if that ever happens to you, you can absolutely call your doctor and he can call in a prescription to wherever you are. I mean, unless you're on like a desert island. Why are they called desert islands? Are they really deserts? Or is it short for deserted? <laughs> you thought I was smart, didn't you? Hello, future Jen here. The desert in Desert Island is actually an archaic form of the word deserted and doesn't really mean that the island is dry. It means that the island is uninhabited. Hence the reason that feeling isolated is sometimes synonymous with it. 
you don't have that doesn't have that's not necessarily the answer that was my answer at the time I also think I was feeling stable and confident and this is a this is a huge pitfall you you feel stable and confident and then you're like wait maybe I don't need these meds and that's a super 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 common thing so um maybe discuss that with your doctor before you do what I did but I did it and it it you know bando was really Bando was my main focus. It had been already for three or four years. Then in selling the company, like there was this whole other thing to focus on and all of this energy. And I felt so invigorated by it that, and so hyper-focused that I didn't notice that I was suffering. And, and, and I'm sure that's something that a lot of people feel too, you know? And so I literally went up until... So that was 2012. I went up until December 1st of last year, no meds. And, and over that time period, five-year time period, you know, every once in a while, Andrew, um, my ex-husband would say, hey, maybe you want, not in a passive-aggressive way, because that's a rude thing that sometimes um, people that know you can do, but in, in a loving, caring way, like maybe you should go back on your meds. Like it seems like you're having a lot of depressive episodes or, you, you know, you, you just don't, you, you seem off. And I was like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. I don't need those meds anymore. Like, I'm fine. It's the exact same as when I was on them. And, and I think I had friends that probably said that to me too, but I'm extremely stubborn and I didn't, I just was so in this other headspace that I just couldn't get outside of myself enough to see, wow, I really was suffering. Okay, so like many people who take meds, I ended up going back on mine after that long break, and honestly, I'm so glad I did. In the process, I made some very interesting realizations about myself that I want to share, and also tell you how I'm doing now, and my plans for moving forward. Through the divorce, and you know, the morning of that, a bunch of changes at work, a lot of challenges... Um, really poor eating, drinking too much. It, it, all of that really exacerbated how I was feeling. And I just realized that, oh my God, I am suffering. And I had gone in to talk to a therapist about just coping with the divorce. And I had some relationships that were changing, um, personally outside of divorce, you know, like friendships and, and work relationships and stuff. So, I had gone in to talk about that and somehow the meds thing came up and she suggested like maybe revisiting that. And I think it, cr- it kind of cracked open the door and then I was like, yeah. And, um, I went to a psychiatrist and he was great. And, and he was like, okay, well let's not just put, I was like, just put me back on what I was on. That totally worked. And he was like, well, I, that's not how I want to do it. He's like, let let's just take the mood stabilizer. Let's take it at a low dose. Let's stair step you up and let's see, because if you've only been on them together, then maybe you only needed one and you had never had the chance to figure that out. And I was like, whatever, dude, you don't know. I always, I'm also a dick that thinks I know more than everybody, even though I seem really nice, which I am, but inside I'm like, is that true? I, I went to have a, um, ultrasound, on my breast today. Cause I have like, um, cysts, I have like 
hundreds of cysts. Just they they were like, we we you really should be a test subject, and they were like, hmm. When you were here two years ago, it was your right breast, and this time it's your left breast. I'm like, no, it was definitely the left both times. They're like, well, I mean the we have the ultrasound up, and it says, it. and I and I was just like, no, they're wrong, and and so. I think I tend to do that a lot in my mind. I don't usually, I think all I said out loud was, that's so strange. I feel like I only can remember feeling one on my left breast. Um, anyways, now you know all about my boobs. They're perfect, by the way, so don't even trip. But I got off topic. <laughs> I wish you could see me. There's just so much sweat, and I just want what it to be great. Oh, fuck, 25 minutes. I was really challenging myself to be brief. I was like, this will be a quick, a quick in and out. That's what she said. And it, now it's just a normal episode. Shit fuckers. Uh, uh, ooh. <laughs> Hold on. I didn't have the heart. I didn't have the heart to listen back to what I was talking about because um, I still find that very triggering and I'm just avoiding triggers because I'm smart. So anyways, I think I was saying though just how I was doubtful that his strategy, that was what I was saying. I was doubtful that his strategy was going to work. I'm like, we're going to end up on the same two drugs. But I committed to what he said, which was going to be a four, four, week period of time, which also to me was like, that's going to be too long. Like once you decide you're not okay, you need help immediately. And, and, and so that's the other thing to be, um, prepared for. It could take a long time. And that's why some of those other things that I'm, that I was talking about in that episode about wellness and like taking care of yourself and your diet, you, you can implement those right away. You'll actually feel a change quicker a lot of times than you will with, with the drugs. And so that's what I did. I just like cleaned up my act. I, I went on like a super strict diet, but that w- that felt good. I, I really committed to exercise because I was, was like, I'm actually not going to make it to the end of the year. Not like I won't live to the end of the year, but it's just, uh, it will be so bad. And if this is going to take four weeks to stair step me up to a therapeutic dose of one of the two medications, no, no, thank you. So the hard part about that is cutting out, you know, sugar and dairy and alcohol. Well, I, I kept tequila cause it's like, I'm not an animal. Um, but you know, the consumption went down drastically and, and adding exercise like that in and of itself will help you feel better. So, um, I felt great pretty quickly, like within a week and got up to 75 milligrams of lamictal and actually realized that I was fine at 50 milligrams of lamictal. So as it turned out, I only needed one drug, at a half the dose that I used to take it at. And that had been great because, because I have all of the knowledge of everything I just shared with you. Um, and what I feel is an encapsulated version of the last 20 years of my life. I'm scared to fuck with it. And I, but I'm like having so much anxiety and I understand why, but it, it's getting in the way and the anxiety is causing me to have more depression and to just not be able to plug into like 
a good mood or even like a slightly elevated mood, which I, I sort of need um, from time to time. And, and so I was like, man, should I just, I know I have an appointment with him, with the doctor in a couple of weeks just to like, cause they'll, they like to, I mean, they have to keep tabs with you legally, legally. I'm not sure how often they do, but I, but maybe it's like every other month or every few months. I was like, do I just ask him to go on an antidepressant and an anti-anxiety along with this mood stabilizer? And then I was just like, here we go. We're getting to the moral of the story. I thought, you know what? I know that because I, because I have this emotional intelligence and I think about how I feel all the time, probably to a fault, I know that especially the anxiety piece is situational and I should try and work through that before I just medicate it because medication will make me feel better, but then that the problem is still there underneath it all. It just, I won't be able to access it. And Hey, if it's debilitating, it's debilitating. So you go on the meds and hopefully you're, 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 working through it in therapy and you're reading books and you're trying to learn and you're trying to get better. For me, I just know I don't, I just decided like, I don't think I'm going to take that. Um, what I feel like would be a crutch for me right now, just so I could get to my work. I think that I can use my, my strength and my resilience to, to, to work through it in other ways, which means talking to someone and, and reading about it and working on some of these other ways to feel better. And I kind of got off track with my diet. I'm sure that's contributing to it. And, and I'm, I'm walking into triggers every day instead of walking away from them. So, so really (laughs) after all that, maybe I just felt like talking after all that, the reason I say this and, and give you context is, um, well, one, I was dying to kind of just tell you how it's like, what, what a journey on medication could look like. It's different for everyone, I'm sure, but that was mine. But to also say, reiterate what I said early on, which is these are these are protocols that should be respected and should be part of a bigger wellness plan. And so my commitment right now is to just do some other things to try and keep the anxiety at bay. I'm going to talk to him about the depression and see if he thinks they're connected or if he thinks it's just like um, playing around with, with the dosage of what I have. I wouldn't be as worried about bringing in an antidepressant if he thought that just since I was on that for so long. But I just wanted to kind of empower you to, to know that you still have control in that. It, if you're on a walk with your dog and your gut tells you like, hey, that actually might be an avoidant behavior to just like ask your doctor for anti-anxiety medication and then not deal with the real problem, which is you're scared as shit to do these big projects because God forbid you're going to do it great and you're going to succeed. Um, and I think it's going to be more interesting to deal with that whilst not on an anti-anxiety medication. But stay tuned next week because I might say, fuck it, (laughs) give me the pills. (laughs) Okay, I got to go because I'm hot and I want to drink this spritzer. Bye. We did it. Hopefully sharing my story can help you decide if this is something you want to pursue or even if you've already pursued it but were wondering if you were doing it right. Well... There are lots of right ways to do it. And here's something else to remember. In all of this, you are your greatest tool. 
build your own self-awareness and emotional intelligence and work to gain a keen understanding that the variables of your internal and external situation can and will change all the time and they will affect your treatment plan. So stay in tune with what's happening and work to implement other wellness elements into your life like exercise, sleep, and diet. And in addition to all of that, I for one also think that if you're already on medication but feel like some people in your life, friends, family, etc., are having a hard time understanding what it's like, sharing this episode with them should help shed some light on the subject. Oh, and please follow my dad on Instagram. He's at DrJamie14. That has nothing to do with medication. He just asked for a shout out. And how do I say no? I don't. Have a great week and keep all the feedback coming. Bye. What do you know about the after show? It's the JGOK after show. You don't know about the after show, but I'm about to let you listen to a bunch of voicemails that my dad left me because I never delete them. Okay, it's the show after the show after the show after the show. Here you go, Dr. Jamie. Yes, hi, this is HBO Anywhere. We noticed some fraudulent activity on your account. We'll get back to you. I don't feel like I know your schedule anymore. Jen, i got to be honest, I took a risk, and I don't know that it worked out. Losing followers, I guess they don't want me hawking products. Hi, Jen, it's your dad. Just wanted to check in with you. I had my sutures removed today. Speak to you soon. Don't diss me. Um, at my terminal to take off, I'm between Chick-fil-A and Aunt Annie's. It's a big decision, but I'll make it. You really caught me off guard this time. For a second, I thought you were walking by yourself in the desert. Hi, Jen. Thought I might catch you between meetings. I'm just curious how your uh, podcast went, Uh, you know, the one you were appearing on and uh, what the buzz was about your podcast. Speak to you. Movie review, leave no trace, two thumbs up.